0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four and England have won the match.
1: Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket, Simon Hughes in London, Simon Mann in Sydney and I'm sorry if I I sound a little bit bleary-eyed, I'm getting a bit tired having to get up in the early morning to watch all this and stay up late at night. Uh, I'm sure you're feeling highly bushy-tailed, Simon, after four days of work at the Sydney Cricket Ground for both TV and radio, um, trying to talk up England's performances and actually today... There is a bit of a chink of light at the end of the day after a a fairly gruelling fourth day. England survived to the close. Yeah, they did. Uh, Hamid and Crawley actually survived without a great deal of of
0: alarm. There was one ball from Scott Boland that took off outside the off stump, just outside the off stump, and good fortune for Crawley, took the shoulder of the bat and went over the slip cord. And actually, one one feature of this game so far is we have seen some uneven backs. We have seen balls jump alarmingly at times, but they haven't really taken any wickets. Normally you see players gloved and the ball goes out to gully or goes to short leg, but we haven't seen any of that. I wonder if that's going to change on the the final day. Having said that, I listened to Usman Khawaja on, on BT Sport, his interview afterwards, and he was saying he thought the pitch had settled down a bit. After his first innings 100, he said it was a difficult pitch. After today's 100, he said, oh, yeah, I just thought the pitch had set, settled down a bit and you know, we're going to have to work really hard and... Tough it out tomorrow to try and get the the ten wickets that we need to win the game. So I thought that that was quite interesting. That actually that was my sort of rather unscientific sort of view about the pitch today. It did, didn't seem to have quite as many uh, terrors in it as it had had on the, the second and third day. Not exactly terrors, but you know there was that that doubt always in the batter's mind. You think of Milan, say, being hit on the glove twice before he was uh, dismissed. Bairstow wrapped on the glove, the one that forced him off the field today. So. I mean, perhaps it is just, I don't know, I don't know why it would do that, because not normally when you get an even bounce, it just gets more uneven as the as the game goes on. But it did seem to just settle
1: down a little bit today. Mm. I, I, there could be a number of reasons for that, um, speculatively really, I, I suppose. But the number of times it's rolled, the heavy roller does deaden the impact. Actually, the number of balls bowled on a particular spot can just make the grass, the the surface, lose its springiness as well over time because of the relentlessness of the bowling and uh, you know it, it, sometimes you know pitches do just sort of slow down don't they um but anyway uh, england have to a, a massive battle on their hands to survive the final day what what's um what's the weather forecast you reckon will they get the whole day's play in
0: well, this is the issue. Uh, it could well be that England do get some help from the weather. The problem with the Sydney weather forecast is that they don't actually seem that accurate. I mean, people could say there's, there's rain around and, and it's a big metropolitan area, Sydney, so you know, and we're quite close to the Pacific. So I think it's quite hard to really nail down, uh, you know, really, really specific weather forecast, and there is weather around tomorrow. That And there has been some rain uh, tonight. Actually, just as the players came off, it, it started to rain. There was rain this morning, but we had, actually had a perfect day uh, today. But there is talk of of bad weather tomorrow. It has been a test match. It's not been blighted by bad weather, but there has been enough to to cause frustration. I think one thing I would say, was actually 98 overs on on the final day because we're still making up a little bit of time. What what would be good from England's perspective is if they had no or little help from the weather tomorrow, but were able to save the game. Is that being overly optimistic? I think it probably is. Usman Kouaj also saying that, you know, he felt there would be 10, 12 chances out there uh, for Australia. And, yeah, you can can see that happening. Lyon might come into the game a bit more. But there was a little lack of sparkle from Australia uh, this evening, a little uh, lack of zip from from Cummins and from uh, Stark. So, you know, fair play to Hamid and Crawley. Uh, They have produced England's, listen to this, England's highest opening partnership of the series, 30. Previously, it was 23. And actually, they're the second highest partnership in the last 10 Ashes test matches. I mean, it just shows how tough it has been
1: uh, for the openers. Um, or how and, bad yeah, our openers are, I suppose. Well, that's, that, that, that another is another <laughs> that is another way of looking at it, yeah. Oh, yeah. And also, actually, how good Australia are, are with the new ball as well. Uh, you know, very potent attack. I mean, Cummins must be one of the best fast bowlers Australia has ever produced. He's number one ranked bowler in the world, and there's a reason for that. He's outstanding. I, he ne- just never lets you get away, does he? And he, uh, I remember his first test in South Africa, and you know he was the absolute howitz as he was sending down, which was swinging late as well, and he was man of the match in that test. And then nobody heard from him for about five years because of injury, but you know he always had that potential. But what has happened in the meantime is he's become this laser-guided missile. Every ball is right on the spot, and he's really refined his his bowling method. I, I, I mean. Quite interestingly, you know, you always talk about bowlers needing to move the ball away from the, the right-handed batsman to take wickets in Test cricket, and he largely moves the ball in. And I think we had Dean Headley, we had Dean Headley on the virtual cricket a while ago, talking about the Ashes and talking about bowling in Australia and talking about trends in bowling and more and more bowlers looking to make the ball move back at the at the batsman rather than away, which is a, a, a an increasing trend. And Cummins has been. One of the leaders of that
0: yeah he's done that more than any other bowler in this series brought the ball back in uh to the right handers and you look at his record he's playing in his 37th test match he's taken 176 wickets he, st- he started this test match taking his wickets at 21. i mean that is that is absolutely top class that is you think i mean jimmy anderson who's got all the bag of wickets takes his at 26. okay cummins doesn't have that longevity and he, you know, he has had his injury problems right, right at the start of his career, but you know he was bowling things. He was bowling ninety at the age of seventeen. And that's bound to take a bit of a, a toll on your body, and, and it did. Now he's sort of strengthened up. He's sort of grown into his body, and you know his record is is excellent. You know he could finish as one of the you know Australia's you know great bowlers I mean, he's he's a, a handful but but nothing nothing from Cummins tonight and there was one uh, tremendous shot from Crawley down the ground just showing his quality it's, it's one of those th- I think sort of frustrating things about Zach Crawley is that he, he's, he's got the shots and you think you can see why people mm. are enthusiastic about him and then he gets out you know and he's yeah. I mean
1: so great challenge yeah. for him tomorrow yeah, totally. And in fact, Graham Thorpe, it was a Graham Thorpe night, wasn't it, to, to wheel out the, mm-hmm. the head coach or batting coach in his case uh, tonight. And no, assistant he, he said, coach. Assistant, assistant coach, coach yeah, yeah sure. It's, yeah. And, and And he he said, uh, you've got to make good decisions. That's the key to, to batting. And that's what Crawley doesn't do, uh, hasn't done recently. You know, For example, the first things of this test where he tried to drive the ball, which wasn't quite full enough, and it nipped back through the gate and bowled him. This innings, he waited for the fuller ball from Cummins and and played the same shot, but to a slightly fuller delivery, and it went for four. So it is about recognising the right shot to play for a particular ball in particular circumstances. On if he if he's batting at Trent Bridge, say, uh, on a beautiful day and the ball's forty overs old, you can hit the ball on the up uh, from just outside off stump, but on a pitch like Sydney's against the new ball with a bowler largely nipping the ball back. This was Scott Boland in this case, in the first innings. It's just a risky shot uh, uh, to, to try and hit the ball on the up so early in the innings with the ball fairly new. So, you know, you've got to learn to play the right shots at the right times. Just one thing, I came to the ground this
0: morning. Uh, you, you go past the nets or near the nets when you go to the, the media centre. And a lot of players are, you know, practising in the middle or whatever, warming up in the middle. In the nets this morning, two players, one from Australia and one for, from England. The Australian player, Manus Labishain, the England player, Zach Crawley. In, you know, in the nets, talking to the coach, he's trying to work something out. And actually, we saw that from Labishain today. He, he he was trying to work something out, and that was just to get a bit further over to try to combat Mark Wood. But Wood had the wood over him again. It's the third successive time he, he's dismissed him. He's, he's nicked him off uh, three times in a row now. I think Labishain was was you know, was trying to work that out, trying to just get across a bit further. But, and it it worked for a while, actually. He played quite nicely uh, early on in his innings, but then, you know, Wood nicked him on a ball that was, you know, relatively wide, you know, playing at it, playing at a ball, perhaps he didn't need to play it. And uh, Ollie Pope taking one of four catches. And that's, you know, there's another tale there, uh, Yoz, uh, for Mm. England, is is, how's England's team going to (laughs) configure for the next test match in Hobart? The, The fact today that there was no butler, and there was no Stowe, and they've called up Sam Billings, who's had to drive all the way down from uh, Queensland, about a ten-hour drive, and he, he can't fly because of you know social distancing. And they, he, when he gets to the hotel in, in Sydney uh, today, he's he's got to have a you know te- isolate for a bit, and then have a test, and then he can he's released into the wild if you like. Uh, so you know, there's all that. Situation. You know, what what are England going to do? I mean, they're not. I mean, presumably, if if Bairstow does have a a finger problem that you know, he, and he's not going to be fit for the next Test match, and and therefore couldn't keep. I mean, if, you know, if Butler was out, and and, and you think well, Bairstow going to keep. Then, well, if can, neither of those can keep, then you imagine that Sam Billings is going to make his Test match debut. I and mean, we're still a, you know nearly a week away from the
1: from the next game. With uh, what, what about Ollie into Pope the keeping? Order. I mean, he kept really well. I mean, those four catches, a couple of them were really good. The one off uh, the drive of, I think it was Marcus Harris, caught behind off Jack Leach. That was a good catch because it was very full and the ball did deviate off the edge and he had no time to react to it. And also that sort of acrobatic catch off Alex Carey's attempted sweep, where it sort of ricocheted off various bits of his body and glove and stuff, and he had to acrobatically... Uh, do a sort of mini somersault to get the ball, and he took that one as well. I, I thought he did well.
0: Yeah, I suppose the, the, I think it depends who's fit, doesn't it? I mean, if there's no Stokes, no Butler, and no Bearstow, which is not impossible, mm. uh, then you know there are quite a few <laughs> spots open. I don't know what England are going to do about the balance of their side, because of course that was one of the problems they had in the summer when Leach didn't, you know, Jack Leach couldn't play or Don Best couldn't play because they couldn't really balance the side because they didn't have the you know enough they didn't have the all-rounder option with with Ben Stokes in the side at least that it allows them to play the the spinner if they want to in, in this series anyway i mean i would have thought logically i mean the most logical i'm just trying to think really uh really you'd want pope to come into the side as a batter wouldn't you if if, if there is no best butler and and stokes and therefore billings keeps wicket but that, you know there's a there's a lot to decide bef- before we get to there it may well be that butler you know can't play and, and besto is okay to play uh, he he had an x-ray overnight and he he almost it was a strange one he didn't interview this morning he said i it almost doesn't matter whether it's broken or not you know it's it's it's, it's what it is just, i don't know perhaps he does know what the situation is but he did not feel today he went out to bat uh, 113. He, he was just trying to dab one. It was a frustrating, frustrating dismissal. Actually, he tried to dab one into the offside, just looking to make something happen, and, and nicked it through to the to the keeper. But he, you know, he didn't come out and and, and field. But, but I mean, in a way, it's fifth fifth Test match. You know, the series is gone. It could well be four 0 know, going to Hobart. It, it might be sort of quite interesting to have a look at uh, one or two different players. I mean Dan Lawrence perhaps comes into the equation as well. He's he's been here. You know, as a middle order option for the whole tour hasn't got a look in of course uh, yet so i mean england have england have options but do they have balance uh if, if they are missing those key players i mean they are quite key players as well aren't they i mean no best no stokes uh, no butler we're making a presumption of course but i mean ben stokes did field for the, you know, the majority of the day but you know he was fielding it long on he was running around the boundaries throwing the ball in you know wincing with that side problem uh, he's a masochist. You know.
1: That's what he is, isn't he? I mean, <laughs> but he's just, about, well. his pain seems to be kind of following him around wherever he goes, and yeah. he seems to overcome it, doesn't it? It's amazing, really. He's like a—he yeah, well, uh, seems almost bionic somehow. Yeah, well,
0: he stayed out in the field, um, and and obviously you know some. Would, and the, the only situation there is, of course, is that uh, Butler and besto. Uh, well, Butler's at seven anyway, but uh, Bear Stoke can back in their normal position because they were clear injuries sustained in the game, you know, two-hand injuries. They, I mean, ex- they're called external injuries in, in a way, but they're not, I mean, every injury is internal, isn't it, sort of, I suppose, unless, a, unless you can see a cut on someone's head. Uh, but, but Stokes is a, is a muscle strain, and that's seen as an internal injury. So if he hadn't been in the field, he wouldn't have been able to bat until number seven because he'd been off the field for a you know, hugely long time he wouldn't have been able to bat until he'd served the time that he was off the field so presumably they still want him to bat at five uh, rather than come in at, at number seven so that 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 uh, that is I imagine is why he, he was fielding he might have also said yeah I just want to be out there you know this is perhaps my last time in the field in this series I you know I want to support the captain um, and and go for it and sort of grit it out, but it's it's hard to see him playing in Hobart really. I mean, you're not going to make a recovery. You know this from from certainly not to bowl, but you, you know you're probably not going to make a recovery to bat properly uh, at Hobart as well. And it's only going to exacerbate the injury. So you know, with the, with the series not in the balance, it, it seems it's inconceivable really that he was going to play in the game. And I think what the other thing to say, is Yoz is that you know Butler's hand injury must be a bit more serious. Uh, than, than we initially thought. I mean, he did take the blow on the hand from that low ball from Wood. He continued to keep wicket, uh, but he, you know he didn't keep wicket today. And we, we saw Ollie Pope taking the gloves in practice yesterday, and there was was a bit of an indication that something was a amiss with with Josh Butler. You know, it was more serious than we thought. So perhaps he's had an X ray and they found a you know broken bone
1: in the hand. It's like seventy four five when England returned from that battering in uh, the Ashes against Lillian Thompson the walking wounded returning to England and actually I, I remember players saying a bit like actually um, when they returned from the West Indies uh, a few times in the 1980s as well there was this sort of glazed look in players eyes you know as if not not exactly as if they'd been at war but kind of similar like it had been on some kind of military campaign and you know seen some kind of scary things and this is the same sort of situation. They're going to be coming back with carrying all sorts of injuries. Um, <laughs> going to be a, a bit of a rabble, aren't they, when they return?
0: Well, I, the, the only thing I would say about that is that I suppose Besto was the only one that was from a brute of a ball, one that banked. The other um, Butler was one, was just an unfortunate one where he, you know, he, he just turned his hand a bit too uh, early before the ball went into his gloves. It was a difficult one to judge. A scuttler from Wood, and the, and the Stokes one was was done bowling, wasn't it? A, a side strain. But, you know, it could be uh, not, not all change for Hobart, but there, there could be uh, quite a few changes. I mean, Australia themselves have, have got some selection uh, situations to sort out. Of. I mean, Travis Head was the, the hero of their first Test victory. And is he going to get back in the side? Cameron Green scored runs today. And Usman Khawaja, uh, it's taken us a while to, to get on to Khawaja. We did, we did touch on his interview, but, you know, another 100. Um 101 not out. and actually there, there was a bit of pressure i mean in a way by the end it was it felt like easy runs you know you, you know what it's like on a de- what i call a declaration day and that's what it was today they're quite unsatisfying days in in test match cricket but at the start there was some pressure australia were 86 for 4 and england just didn't quite have the wherewithal to to ram it home you know you know suddenly if they'd lost another t- two wickets it would've been a lead of about 210 with six down and then the pressure might have built on australia and also might have just halted the their procession towards a, a declaration as well it might have reduced the amount of time that England uh, had to bat tonight they might not in fact they might not even had to, to bat tonight but as it turned out uh, you know they, they got through and uh, they finished at 30 for no wicket but I mean Usman Khawaja I mean, am- it is an incredible story isn't it that he's only the ninth player in Ashes history uh, to make 200s uh, in, a, in, a te- in an Ashes test match uh and, you know a week or week or so ago he probably didn't even think he'd play in the ashes
1: yeah good thoughts about uh, usman kawaja there uh, how unlikely his sudden reemergence has been and interestingly actually he was talking about before the game uh, that, that he didn't actually have that much preparation. You know, he would played a, a number of games for Queensland a while ago, but for the last month he's been trailing around the squad as a, a sort of 13th man and hasn't had any outings in the middle. And it just shows in a way preparation isn't everything because he said actually my preparation wasn't great and I had a few nets and wasn't hitting the ball that well. And I just felt if I did get the chance to play, i needed some time in the middle just to get the rust out and that's exactly what happened he managed to survive first half an hour and then you know the the old rhythm started to return and, and you know that that is so important for batting is just to stay in for that first half an hour and then you can rediscover your your batting style your batting flow and so on now 200s in an ashes test match as you say only nine players have done that and one of them is in our Ashes Heroes NFT collection. I have ranked the greatest hundred Ashes cricketers from 100 to one over the the history of the Ashes from 1882. And we've commissioned an artist to do a drawing of each of these players or to to capture the essence of each of these hundred players. Um, I'll talk about how you can bid for these Ashes Heroes NFTs in a bit, but it was quite an interesting exercise ranking them. Getting, you know, there's been a sort of total of over 600 cricketers have played in the Ashes. So how do you boil them down to to 100? And then how do you rate them from 100 to 1? It's a a challenge. Uh, Obviously, looking at their performances, their impact on various series, their records, how many Ashes series and tests they've played in that their team has won is is relevant. Uh, So lots of different factors. Uh, it, It is a bit subjective. So as you say, only nine players have made two hundreds in an Ashes Test match, and two of those players are in the top ten of my Ashes Heroes rankings. Who, Who do you think they might be?
0: Well, one of them is Steve Smith because I remember he did it at Edgbaston with that, you know, marvellous hundred in, in the the first innings of the first Ashes Test of, of 2019 when he batted with the tail. And actually, yeah, Australia got a few more than they really should have done, and they got yeah. up to about two seventeen. That was enough for them. And the other one, well, I, I, it's, it's a sort of a straightforward question in, in a way, uh, yours, because Andy Zaltzman went through the the nine who've done it, and I, I so I've got the list in front of me. Um, so oh, cheating. I, uh, well, so I reckon. The other, well, I mean, he, here's the list of, of, of players who've, who've scored two Ashes hundreds in a, in a match. Arthur Morris. I mean, some, some big names. It's a great list for um, Kawaja to be on. Uh, Arthur Morris, uh, Matthew Hayden, Steve Smith, Wally Hammond, Herbert Sutcliffe, Dennis Compton, Steve Waugh, and Warren Bardsley. Those are the... the, 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 he's, the he's the least known, I would say. The other ones are, you know... You know, top-class players, all you know, really well-known uh, Ashes players, Test players. Yeah. So oh. I. So in the in the. So you're asking me who, who's in the top ten? Uh, yeah. They, those. Well. Yeah. Okay. Well, Smith's had a fantastic record, hasn't he? In in yeah. In Ashes matches. Yeah, Smith's in the top ten. Absolutely so right. And, He's uh, made eleven
1: Ashes hundreds. Incredibly. Yeah. Well, and the averaging in the sixties in Ashes Tests. Well, the other one. Uh, let me
0: think. Let me think. Let me think. Well, I mean, Steve War dominated dominated the Ashes, didn't he? So I'm g- I'm going to go for Steve Wars as being in your your top ten as well. But that does leave out people like uh,
1: Compton and, and Hammond and and, and Sutcliffe. Are they in them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, ha- actually, you're right. In fact, Hammond is also in the top ten. Uh, quite right. I mean, Wally Hammond was an amazing cricketer. In any other era, he would have been top dog. Uh, you know, the best cricketer in the world. He had an amazing record. He averaged close to 60 in test cricket. He made 2200. So he broke the record for uh, England test hundreds at the time. Uh, He made 251 uh, against Australia in an early test match in 1928. And in a way, it was a misfortune that he made 251 in that test match, because, you know, who had also made his debut in that test? was a certain Don Bradman, Don Bradman yeah. and Bradman spent a day and a half chasing leather, watching Hammond crash it all around. And in a way that inspired him to even greater heights. So anything that Hammond did in his career, Bradman exceeded. <laughs> but Hammond w- was was amazing. Uh, 33 Ashes Test matches to nearly 3000 runs, nine hundreds, average 51. So, you know, tremendous Ashes hero. Uh, Steve Waugh, you mentioned as well. Actually, I remember um, interviewing him after that second hundred in uh, at Old Trafford in in the Test match, and was, I was working for BBC at the time, and I was the sort of pitch side reporter, and I interviewed him after the game, and he, I think he was actually not out overnight, and he came out so sort of almost immediately uh and, and did the interview which was quite rare in those days you normally didn't get somebody who was still batting to do the interview and he came straight out and did the interview and he just said oh you know terrible pitch really difficult pitch really tough um he'd made two hundreds on it but I think that uh it, it wasn't actually that bad a pitch really but he made it he trans he transmitted a message this is a this is an absolute minefield and England batted appallingly on the final day and lost. Um, so it was a clever bit of psychology from from Steve Waugh. But, you know, an amazing record he had. 46 Ashes test matches, 10 hundreds, an average of 58. And also, he played in nine Ashes series and won eight of them. So a uh, remarkable performance. The only Ashes series he played in which he didn't win was that first 86-7 when he made his debut in Gatting's Tour and they won the Ashes and he played in a couple of those test matches and sort of batted low down the order. But after that, he won every Ashes series, either as player or captain.
0: So those people who are trying to work out who who are in your top 10 Ashes heroes of all time, so you've named three, haven't you? You've named uh, Hammond and Steve Waugh and Steve Smith. So it's up to people to guess who they think the other seven are. Now, you're going to sort of give them a clue now, aren't you? Because you're you're, going to sort of show... Uh, the sort of qualification or the standard you need to obtain because you're going to give us 20 to 11, aren't you? Yeah,
1: These are players 20 to 11, so yeah. by sort of process... These are players the, 20 to 11, so counting down, Mark War 20, Stuart Broad gets in, 19, very good Ashes record and, you know, consistent wicket taker, obviously. He's actually higher than Jimmy Anderson uh, in the rankings because he has taken more Ashes wickets and at a lower average, so... Even though, you know, Anderson is regarded as a greater bowler overall, Broad actually has had more impact on the Ashes. Boycott at 18, lower than he would like. Um, Len Hutton, 17. I couldn't really put Hutton below boycott. I mean, Hutton was... Obviously, at the time when he first played against Australia, he made 364 not out at at the Oval, um, which was the highest score in test cricket ever made. And a phenomenal batsman, won the Ashes as captain in 53 as well. Uh, Greg Chappell at 16, a fantastic player. Herbert Sutcliffe, you mentioned, uh, one of the people who made 200s in a test uh, at 15, an average of uh, 60 in test cricket overall. And famous partnership with Jack Hobbs, of course, uh, opening partnership that lasted for many years. They averaged Hobbs and Sutcliffe averaged eighty-seven as an opening pair. What, what England would give uh, an opening pair like that? Um, Adam Gilchrist at fourteen, phenomenal, uh, a sort of scimitar, you know, wielding his bat like a scimitar and slashing uh, all bowlers to to ribbons. Uh, Ricky Ponting at thirteen, whose actual Ash's record wasn't quite as good as his overall record. Um, the leading run maker of all time for Australia, of course. WG Grace gets in at number 12, um, for obvious reasons, just an absolute icon of the game and an incredibly powerful figure. And our friend David Gower at number 11, who scored nine Ashes hundreds and won four out of eight series and was uh, an absolute god at at the crease, uh, certainly in Australian eyes, because they really respected him hugely. So that's my 20 to 11 and I'll reveal the top 10 in a subsequent podcast during the the final test. So all these players are as I say ranked from 100 to 1 each of them has their own NFT non-fungible token a piece of digital art which you can buy uh, they're relatively cheap value they might increase in value over time um it's a it's a new thing the NFT Collins dictionary made NFT the word of 2021. It's something to get interested in if you're interested in sort of technology and digital uh, assets and so on. It's They're sort of collectibles, a bit like actually the Panini stickers, which we all were familiar with uh, as football fans and cricket fans growing up in the sort of 70s and 80s. Uh, you know, those stickers that you used to collect and sometimes get an autographed. So it's a sort of digital version of that. And you can have a look at the collection if you go to ashesheroes.com
0: so i had a go at guessing your top 10 and i didn't get them all so it's it's not quite as straightforward we've given you three already there's, there's two or three that are really obvious and you can guess yourself but yeah b- before we reveal them in a a, a later podcast ar- around about the time of the hobart test match or during the the hobart test match have a think about who could be in the the top 10 after yoza has, has eliminated at uh, 20 to 11. just a, one note i mentioned uh, warren bardsley earlier as you know he's in the list of, of players that have made two Ashes hundreds in the same match. I know mean, Compton and Steve Ward, Wally Hammond and Sutcliffe and Usman Kwasi did it today and Steve Smith and Matthew Hayden and Arthur Morris. Uh, who he, you might ask, Warren Bardsley. Well, he was a, an Australian Test cricketer who played 41 Test matches between the years 1909 and 1926. He was a left-hander. He was born in Sydney. And there you go. I don't think anyone was expecting that we would mention Warren Curley-Bardsley tonight, but he's in the list of uh, players who've who've done the the same thing as uh, Usman Khawaja and those other uh, greats of the game. So, you know, uh, fantastic for Khawaja tonight. He said said afterwards he's really sore because he said, you know, I've just been sitting around for a few weeks running drinks out and now I've had to bat for two full days just about and also field for a, a full day as well fantastic achievement from how do you think this game will play what's your hunch yours then we should, we should just finish with that What what's your hunch about the way uh this game will 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 finish tomorrow have england got a chance of surviving for a, a, a fullish yeah,
1: day they have got a chance of surviving i think it does depend a little bit how the pitch plays actually i think nathan lyon's going to be a factor uh he, he's going to get some bounce and spin and he, you know there's a couple of left-handers who he can focus on as well stokes milan etc so Australia have got the armoury to do it, Um, England are going to have to fight like hell uh, if they get a whole day's play in. Uh, My hunch is England are going to lose, but I will be so happy for them if they manage to, to hold out. So I'd give England a 20% chance of survival. What about you?
0: Well, I, I think they'll need some help from the weather to survive. But the only problem is, of course, if, if there's weather around and you know it's overcast and the lights are on, then the batting conditions are going to be uh, quite tricky. In, in today's batting conditions, I'd give them a little bit of a chance because I think it was you know, it was quite good for batting today. But um, I, I, I agree with Kwaj. I can see Australia, if there's a reasonable amount of play, uh, creating... Uh, 10 or 12 chances. And, you know, you might need 12 because uh, it might be a catch or two or half chance that, that goes down. Uh, England did grit it out in Adelaide, didn't they? They really showed some grit in Adelaide. And they've, you know, to be fair to them in the, in this test match, they've given it a go. You know, they haven't, uh, you know, hoisted the white flag. Uh, they and, and actually they are in the sort of best position in the series. I mean, they're not in a great position, but this is the best position they've been in this series because they've still got all 10 wickets, second innings wickets in hand, going into the final day of the match. This is the closest you feel they'll get to, or well, it is the closest they've got to, to saving a game in this series. Forget about winning it. I mean, that's God. Even Graham Thorpe, even the acting coach, said, yeah, we can't win the game, we're looking to draw it. Um, it's just too far off. I, I was in Chennai when uh, India chased 3 8 uh, to beat England in that, in yeah, inc- so yeah, an incredible yeah. test match in which actually, um, sort of coincidentally, or is it a coincidence, but anyway, in that game, Andrew Strauss made 200s in the match and finished on the, the losing side. I don't imagine that's going to happen to Usman Kawaja, but he, he, he was saying, you know, funny things happen in the game of cricket, but that's like, that's that sort of cricketer's superstition, isn't it? Um, you know, just covering yourself, but yeah, you, you you'd, you'd back Australia, especially if there's enough cricket tomorrow, bit of weather, and then yeah, perhaps England have got a chance of a
1: escaping with a draw. Well, I'm sorry, but uh, Usman Kawaja has uh, made too late a bid to be included in the top 100 Ashes Heroes, but <clears throat> there is scope for a couple of men who are in that list. One of them, of course, of course is Ben Stokes. Another one is Joe Root. Uh, they can show some real fight tomorrow and uh, maybe go up the rankings, go up the Ashes Heroes rankings, if they manage to hold, get England uh, holding out for a draw. Anyway, we'll be back tomorrow to review how that went and also just have a look if you if you want to have a bit of fun have a look at that ashes heroes collection ashesheroes.com we'll speak to you tomorrow thanks for listening
0: Podcast Network.